Traveling the Vortex We've joined the great emoter as he travels the vortex and arrive at episode 548. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. You guys doing anything this week? Anything exciting? I saw a movie. What'd you see? Uh, well, actually, I saw two movies. We watched <laughs> Renfield. Mm, I did, too. What did oh, you really? think? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was so campy and fun. Great, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. It's a blast. I uh, especially loved the, the, the opening bits where they kind of walked through the <laughs> Universal Horror movies. Yeah. And I thought to myself, oh, Glenn needs to watch this. Oh, yeah. They do it They do it in the style of it, too, because it's that black and white grainy footage. And I mean, it's four really, by really three impressive. ratio and everything. It's yeah. just got Nicolas Cage instead of. Uh, <laughs> instead of Bella Lugosi. Yeah. It was nice. Uh, it's, it's, it's quality. Yeah. Uh, but no, we went out to uh, went out to the theater and uh, watched Guardians 3. Well, I did, too. Keith, did what you get did out you to think? see it? I, I did not get oh, out to no. see it. Oh, no. All right. Well, we. Uh, we went up to Wichita for our niece's second birthday over the weekend. So oh, we okay. Get out to the theaters. I got you. Well, it happens. We'll stay spoiler yep. free then. Um, Very much. I personally absolutely loved it. Um, I thought it was the best. I think it's the best of all three films. Um, I think it hits all the right notes. It's got a lot of heart, and I, I know Sean agrees with me. The my only my only problem with it, and I. So John, John kind of chatted about it on Facebook. Uh, my only problem is that I don't think the uh, soundtrack was as solid. I don't think it, it hit as well as the, the others have done in the past. So uh, it's got some good songs and it's got some, I think some of the songs are very appropriate for the, the scenes that they're used in. It's just overall, it doesn't have that same soundtrack feel that the first two had. But other than that, it was a great, it's a great send off to the, to the crew and it's a great wrap up of the trilogy, and I just I can't say anything else bad about it. It's so so good. I concur with just about everything. I I don't think it's quite as good as two, but two really two hit all the marks for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was, and and we just re rewatched them uh, in a lead up to that, and, and once again, I just marveled at man. Guardians 2 is really good. <laughs> That's funny you say that, because I don't even think 2 is as good as 1. 2's oh, always no. been my least favorite. No, 2 is great. It's good. I, I love it. It's a great film. Don't get me wrong. I'm not putting it down in any way, but I think the first one is a, a much better, a better crafted film. I think maybe 2 has a little more heart, but I think 1, I think one is, it's it's more enjoyable, and it's it's... Like I say, I think it's better paced and better crafted than, than the second one. But um, no, this one, this one's really, really good. Um, I watched also, and besides those two, I watched um, Eighty for Brady. How was that? I was actually well pleased with it, and it sort of. This is going to echo what you said about a film you watched, the the Fletch film that you watched. It really feels like a film from another time. It doesn't feel like, because there's not, it doesn't have that modern humor that I think sometimes goes a little over the top. It's got this really well-balanced humor. Now, granted, it's probably aimed at an older audience because all of these ladies, with the exception of Sally Field's character, are in their 80s. And so, um, 
And even though I'm not a big fan of uh, Tom Brady, I think I still think he's a cheater. But that's I, one thing that's preventing <laughs> me from watching it quite often. But but it it's still an enjoyable enjoyable film, and his part in it does make it you know a little heartwarming. So. I, I gave it a little sympathy, but I, st- I just don't like the guy still. But <laughs> but no, it's 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 good. The, the gals in it are, are hilarious. I think everybody gets what I I think was really good is nobody outshines anybody else. Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, and Sally Field to me get, all get very much equal time. And while they all kind of have side stories going on, it never gets too far away from their group thing. And so I think that they kind of they keep the little side stories going, but also keeping the momentum going for the, the main story that they're telling. And it works really well. Nice. And I think the other thing would be, I finished Mandalorian finally. Oh, and I, I think the, the last two episodes are, are good. They're very enjoyable. They're kind of what I wanted for the whole series. The last episode, the second last was good, but the last episode, man, I think is epic. That thing is a lot of fun, but, and it, it kind of makes, it made me forget about the previous episodes that I didn't care so much about. And I do think that those sort of set up what happened, you know, some of the things that are revealed in this particular episode or these two episodes, the problem is there, it's still very unnecessary. Both of those were very unnecessary. You know, the, the main surprise could have just shown up and, had a little explanation and gone on, you know, so I just, I, I wanted more of these last two episodes throughout the entire series. And they didn't have to be, you know, hyper-focused on retaking Mandalore, but I think that if we'd have had more of those Mandalorian centric episodes, rather than doing kind of these side missions, I think it would have been better. I liked it. Yeah. It still didn't take, stop me from enjoying it. Have you watched any of uh, Young Jedi Adventures yet? I haven't. Um, we watched the first episode. It's cute. I mean, it's it's a Disney Junior show, yeah, yeah. so it's I mean, it's akin to Spidey and his amazing friends. But it's so far, it's it's cute. Set during the High Republic, so it's kind of cool. Different time period, at least. I actually finished Picard. Oh, go ahead. Ah, what did you think? It was good. I I really I liked it a lot. It was the the whole ride was totally worth it and heads and shoulders above the first two seasons. However, I wish they were a little bit more consistent in acknowledging the first two seasons because <laughs> there's a giant plot point that takes place near the end of the season that overrides and overlooks a giant plot point from season two. <laughs> then the post credit sequence acknowledges season two. So it's like they started to ignore season two and then, they decide not to. So I wish they would have kind of been a bit more consistent or at least had a drop line of how, what's going on here. I thought this was the situation, something to acknowledge it. But other than that, I really enjoyed it. Really good. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit, and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. 
we also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Allison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. Right, well, let's move on to news. They have announced that Jonathan Groff is joining Doctor Who in season 14 with Shudi Gatwa. I'm kind of excited. Take... I, think yeah. that's, I think that's kind of cool. I, um, oh, I, I had a thing for this, and now I don't remember what that's going to My first words were, uh, I wonder if he's going to play King George. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, did you see the uh, picture that they released today? Yeah, that shot. Or, yesterday, and it's got them in what victorian guard maybe that's what it looked like to me so it looks like it's going to be a a period piece um they said he's been in let's see i guess it was the tent that this was posted and they said that he's in uh cardiff now uh filming the scenes it's a mysterious key role it says some people had uh wondered since they had cast um Oh, what's her name? Uh, Jinx uh, Monsoon, who's a performer. Mm-hmm. They, some people wondered if maybe that they were in the same episode and they were going to do a musical episode like they did with Buffy, since they both I saw that have theory been known for their voices. But I don't think there's been anything that's linked those two actors in, uh, into the same story yet. So, but time will tell, I suppose. It'd be kind of a shame not to have him sing, but I know he's also done. It's not like he sings on Manhunter, right? You know, yeah. Or that new um, M Night Shyamalan movie. I can't remember the Knock at the Door. Oh yeah, yeah, he is. I'm sure he's not singing in that. Or Matrix Resurrection. Or yeah, or Matrix Resurrections. No singing there. There's only a couple of things that he's actually singing. Or or Frozen. He did. Oh wait, he did sing. Uh, Oh, not a lot. The first one. He did. Yeah, he he sang. He didn't much in the first. At least gets a song in in Frozen too. That is kind of funny that you get a Broadway um, performer that sings for a movie, and then you just give him barely a song. Not even singing as himself, singing as a reindeer. Right. I'm excited to see him. I, I like him as an actor. I do too. He's he's. I do too. He's kind of he's one of those charming presence on the scene, even when he's playing kind of the the nasty character. He's just got this charisma about him. Yeah. And then you saw we got two more glitch ident teasers. Yes, they all seem to be teasing a teaser coming up this weekend. Yeah, in fact, I that somebody had decoded one of them that says Eurovision. And yep. so now people are presuming that they're going to drop a teaser during the Univision uh, competition, which is going on this weekend. Which makes sense. These sort of little teasers usually are teasing a bigger teaser. Mm-hmm. So it makes a lot of sense. Right. And I, that's just it. I think that, that um, they were putting the, I think they were putting the hints in there so that people would figure it out so that they could drum that excitement up for people also, it. I mean, it, it. I think Eurovision, especially in Europe, is just such a big phenomenon that everybody's watching anyway. So it's not like you have to advertise it, but it does push pe- more people to, you know, more eyes to Eurovision, as well as you know, waiting for that trailer to drop. So it's a um, good collaboration, I think. Yeah, absolutely agreed. 
Well, and our last bit of news is um, Doctoberfest, Who America's annual three-day festival celebrating Doctor Who, has a uh, special guest this year. The uh, celebration for the 60th anniversary and North America's 25th anniversary, Sophie Aldred. Sophie Aldred? I'm going to say her name right. Sophie Aldred. <laughs> so the actress that plays Ace, she's going to be traveling to central Indiana for Doktoberfest. And uh, you can participate in several activities at that annual festival in Hendricks County, Indiana. That's October 20th through the 22nd of this year. Mark your calendars. Sounds like it'll be fun. Yeah. Do you collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Rusbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With popular features like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, we have a lot of fun. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Network podcast. I guess let's move on to our review. City of the Damned. That's all I got. There's no synopsis that's <laughs> short enough to read out. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it sounds cool by the name, doesn't it? City yeah. of the Damned. Um, This one, you know, I really liked Iron Legion. I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. I somehow liked this one better. And I think, yeah, I think part of that comes from this. The first one, maybe because I was more familiar with that one and I had never read this one. um, And so it was fresh and new. But this one had more of a surreal feeling, but it also had sort of a retro comic feel to it as well. You've got this society. I mean, there's nothing new. It's it's and and Sean made mention earlier that it's it's basically THX uh, 1138, but it really feels like an old retro comic. It feels like some kind of a callback to the 60s or I suppose 70s. That was out in the 70s, but um, it really kind of has more of that that um, edgy sci-fi feel. You know, you've got a society that basically they've drummed out all emotions. And the doctor pops in and he's this crazy character that, you know, you, you automatically know is going to clash with the locals. And then what I really like is the over the top, almost tongue in cheek rebels who come in and each one of them is displaying an, a different side of emotion as part of their rebellion. And they're each focusing on one emotion so that they can maintain that when they break everybody kind of free in the return society that they all have something to sort of give back to everybody. And it's like they're, they're trying really hard to live within their emotion that they have. And so it creates these really kind of incredibly funny and quirky characters. And then you've got this other sort of faction that is the, the what, what, this original society was trying to drum out, which was the, the, the hatred and the bad, but you have these really angry guys as well that also sort of have to be thwarted. And then we've got these, you know, parasite bugs that, you know, feed on you, but they can't feed on anybody that has adrenaline. So we have to go to the brain trust to convince the brain trust that they need to allow the people to have emotion again so that they can survive these worms that are, that are being unleashed on the city. And when we 
meet the brain trust, it's literally these like beings and their heads are brains. I absolutely love the visualization of that. I thought that was wonderful. Mm -hmm. And so then you have that. And then you have, of course, the, uh, the police force, which is the ones that are enforcing this whole, you know, absence of, of emotion. And we've got to come up against them and, they end up being thwarted by the worms because they aren't going to go along with having the emotion back. And so their army's basically being depleted by these worms. I just, I really loved it. I thought it was really cool. It, uh, it, again, there's a lot of things in here that have been done before, but it has a lot of different textures that I think all come together for a, a really kind of a fun read. Yeah, it kind of... I had, I had completely forgotten about THX 1138. I I thought it gave a very 1984 meets Mad Max mm. vibe yeah, to it. I can see because that because all, especially the Mad Max Fury Road with the all the rebels and how outrageous all the characters are, felt very much kind of in that vein. Mm-hmm. And just the when the two clash, it makes such an interesting story and a little bit more. Over the, t- I like the fact that it was a little more over the top, and it it lent itself to comics very well, um, and especially it felt like a seventies comic. I mean, it, it that's because that's what it is. Uh, so I thought it all it all worked really well and had very clever ideas. Again, nothing like you said, nothing that hadn't been done before, but I thought it was a nice approach to it. And it's not something that we've done a lot in Doctor Who either. Mm. We've done it a couple times, but not to like this level. This seems to be a little even more extreme of a story than what we've done in the past. I think we'll find with the comics that they do kind of push that envelope and do a little more over the top than, than even the, the, you know, some of the other media has done. Well, you kind of expect comics to be a little more over the top because they don't have the restraints of physical you know, physics to keep them from doing whatever they want to do. I mean, overall, in general, comics are more over the top than mm-hmm. what we actually get on television or on screen most of the time. That's true. Sean, what'd you think? Um, well, first of all, this is gorgeously illustrated. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it really embraces the comic medium. Um I think Dave Gibbons has just got an absolute flair for Doctor Who stories because his his art really seems to delve in and bring these worlds to life. It feels like a Tom Maker episode. Being more fanciful maybe with a bigger budget than, than what most of them get. <laughs> but, but that, you know, kind of nuts and bolts universe. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it is, he, he's just nailed it. You know, um, I, I, from that, just to touch on that, it almost feels like this would also work though in a seventh doctor story on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could have totally bought Sylvester McCoy's doctor. In well, this. And there's a little bit, uh, there's a hint of vengeance on Varos in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, or, or even Prevengeance on Varos. Even even Paradise Towers and there's Shades mm-hmm. of Paradise Towers and um, uh, Happiness, Happiness Patrol, Patrol, is Patrol the other in one. this, yeah. Yeah. Oh, especially Happiness Patrol. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's a fun story, yes. Uh, it, 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 when it initially started and the you know kind of opening setup pages, I was like, oh, it's THX 1138. Okay, cool. Because if you're gonna you know if you're gonna borrow, borrow from the best. <laughs> and uh, 
it's just a it's another one of those nutty ideas that it's so outlandish it could only work in Doctor Who <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> the idea that, you know, oh, they, they, they've been dedicated to one specific emotion. You know, oh, mine is humility. Will you please step on my face? I'll give your foot a rest. And it's like, <laughs> okay. I mean, it's just in, in any other sci-fi show or franchise or comic, you would be going, what? Um, if it was Star Trek, it would be, oh, this is one of the farces. <laughs> but here it's just Tuesday, you know, <laughs> just, it just kind of works for, for, for what they've got set up. Um, I don't think for me, uh, and, and I really enjoyed the story, but for me, I don't think I enjoyed it as well as Iron Legion. Um, just because Iron Legion felt maybe a little more epic because of the, 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 the scope of it. I mean, we're dealing with a, a, you know, multi-universal threat versus the citizens of one planet and specifically one city. But it was done very well. And I kind of expected the brain trust to have a little bit bigger role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, they were kind of set up as, oh, the brain trust came in and did this. And it's like, oh, these are going to be the alien parasites mm -hmm. that are, you know, they're, they're, they're doing this because. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't wait to get to the because. And then, the, as you said, the visualization of them is literally brain people <laughs> giant brains you know like they've got a body and they got you know torso and arms and but it's just a brain on top and it's like ooh, that's cool and um then they're dispatched rather rather quickly by one of their acolytes and it's like oh which i i think i i'm glad okay. that, i'm glad they do that though especially following this story right after Ireland because i think it would have felt like a redo of Iron Legion yeah, because that's that, very true. that was kind of the reverse of Iron Legion and this would have felt sort of the same way. So I'm kind of glad that they, you know, kind of usurped that um, idea right away and, and, and took out the brain trust. I think my only complaint with it, with the story would be probably that it moves a little too quick. It does. The yeah. entire thing. It feels it like does. we're just barreling along and then it's over and it's like, well, I could have, explored this world a little bit more mm -hmm. and not only the society before he gets to the rebels but the rebels and then taking down the brain trust could have used a little bit more effort on the doctor's part but i understand they only have so much time to, to tell the story apparently <laughs> only so many pages in the mac of a magazine so. <laughs> yeah, yeah now th this is probably a question that glenn is is best suited to answer and maybe maybe you know maybe you don't is there a reason that the the the, the comics uh, in Doctor Who magazine at the time were relatively companionless? Uh, I, you know, I don't Is really a rights know. Issue or I don't really know. In fact, a lot of times in more you know the more modern stories, uh, they would have the the companions. I think in Sylvester McCoy's era, I think uh, I think Ace was with him a lot. Um, although they were running alongside, uh, some of those stories were running alongside the Virgin New Adventures as well, which ended up um, dumping her. I, I really don't know the answer to that, Sean. I, I wonder maybe, if it's maybe, maybe when they're set. Is this, is this supposed to be, you know, just after uh, Deadly Assassin or... 
Well, I don't, in the I, I don't even think now. they so much considered that because everything back then was quite disconnected. There wasn't a lot. You know, we, we talk about the somewhat lack of continuity now, but there's a whole lot more now than there was in the 70s and 80s. And so I think yeah. they were just kind of doing what they wanted. Maybe they maybe it's an image rights thing. Maybe they just didn't want to go through the hoops of getting uh, more than just the doctor's uh, permission as far as image goes of the of the of the actor actress. And it's easier to just to pay Tom for his image and then come up with a completely new companion or or be companionless. And maybe it's just a cheaper way to make a comic. I don't know. Because I, I, I don't know about Iron Legion, but this one in particular really cried out for Sarah Jane. Mm. Mm. I, I, I think she would have been the perfect companion to to put on this planet. And, you know, of course, she gets separated from the Doctor. And then we, as Keith says, we get to explore this world a little bit more through her eyes. And mm-hmm. she winds up with, you know, uh, uh, this group of outlaws and is, you know, trying to relate to them and... Or maybe she's left behind in the city while the doctor goes off to the outlaws and mm-hmm. she's dealing with the woman who lost her husband and, you know, kind of coaching her through emotions that just, it, it, it just screamed to me, Sarah Jane needed to be here mm-hmm. <laughs> for this one. And uh, so I just I wondered if that was a... that. Yeah, I could see that too. I don't know. Not the hand too far forward, but the next story makes mention of Romana. So they had some thought about it sometimes. I was trying to see where... Um... Complete Adventures puts it. It puts it after, let's see, between Invasion of Time and the Ribos Operation. So yeah, it would have oh. been that would have been pre that particular one would have been pre Romana. You know, one person's opinion here, but this is the one we've kind of been going by. Uh, on the other hand, though, Keith, uh, there's a lot of stories between timeline timeline wise. A lot of stories between this and Starbeast. So Starbeast, mm. I think, is even further down. Where does he get Starbeast? Well, I was thinking Time Slip. Oh, Time Slip. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Time Slip. I don't know about Starbeast, but that one at least mentions Ramon. Yeah, and I don't. He doesn't have Starbeast right after that either. So now I don't know. Or he doesn't have. I'm sorry. He doesn't have Time Slip right after that one. So he's Who got knows? that one. It's all a mystery. He's got that one further <laughs> down, so that I think so that it does mesh up with the the Ramona comment. Yeah, in fact, it's down there. Oh, well, let's see, after Horns of Nymon, so that would be why. Mm. Oh, in fact, Star Beast is down there as well. So Interesting. Yeah. So um, just a little um, bit of trivia, too. I didn't realize this until I started digging around, but um, City of the Damned, when it was released in Marvel Comics in, the, in North America, it was uh, called uh, City of the Cursed. And that was due to the fact that the comics code would not allow for them using the word damned in a comic book. Really? So if you own a copy of the Doctor Who comics that were printed for North American distribution, it will be called City of the Cursed. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 13, and that's our Doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. Putting the wrong Doctors in the wrong stories. 
so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. All right, well, let's move on to our next one. And a little, little bit of a primer here, because we are, this is an ongoing story now that's happening in the comics with the 14th Doctor picking up right after Power of the Doctor. Um, this is Tenet's 14th version of the Doctor, and this is happening in Doctor Who Comics, and it is going over the course of a year. I believe there's going to be 12 or 13 uh, issue, or yeah, 12 or 13 parts, and running right up until the specials. And so what we're doing is we're going to take these in chunks and we're doing the first four parts and then we'll do another four parts and then we'll do another four parts as the year progresses. Keith, do we have a synopsis on this one? We do not. Oh, well, we'll just jump right into it then. <laughs> okay, so y'all remember how we were on the cliff and, and Jody Whitaker threw her arms out and the regeneration started and David Tennant showed back up and we were all like, What? Mm-hmm. That's where this picks up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, I'll let somebody else go first this time. 1966. <laughs> I, um, having not have a rev- resolution to the story yet, I, I enjoyed the first four parts and mm-hmm. am looking forward to seeing where it goes. Um, I think the art in this is phenomenal. They really... They, they somehow captured an older version of David Tennant, even though he seems to not age. <laughs> uh, I can tell this is the 14th Doctor when I when they give me a close-up of his face, as opposed to the 10th Doctor. Mm-hmm. I don't just they added just enough lines on his face to make me go, "Oh, this is the later version." Um, and the story initially seems like it's you know a, a standard Dalek story until things kind of take a turn, and I don't have a resolution so i want to know what happens next but knowing that whatever's going on with these time traveling aliens that are seem to be just tourists stopping around and daleks not actually getting to kill him <laughs> makes me very intrigued and want to read more yeah i agree i uh i, I think they missed a trick at the very, very beginning, because as we were all going, what? With David Tennant coming back, the the fact that the doctor didn't go, what? And, you know, give us a rehash of that joke. I kind of wanted that. But mm-hmm. um, beyond that, uh, it's an engaging story. It moves at a good pace. It doesn't feel like it's drawn out to hit a specific issue mark, mm-hmm. which sometimes really bothers me in mm-hmm. comics. Right when they talk about, oh, it's a year-long event, and so you're mentally going, okay, there's 12 issues in a year, and then you get a couple of fillers, and you're like, ugh. Or you get a bunch of unnecessary setup exposition in the first couple. Mm -hmm. Um, This one doesn't feel like it has that problem. Um, The idea of being at a a historical event that I imagine, if you were a fan of soccer or from England, was probably far more meaningful uh than than to my poor uneducated american uh uh, mindset but uh still we'll roll with it uh this dalek attack a bunch of people are killed and uh somewhat surprisingly the doctor's not one of them (laughs) and i know that we we've joked about you know you can't have the doctor be in danger for your cliffhanger it doesn't work but when you have your doctor completely surrounded by Daleks, all yelling, exterminate, <laughs> all firing at the same time, I was like, 
Wow, that, that's a, that's actually a pretty good cliffhanger right there. <laughs> I tell you, though, the, the crazy thing about that was they, well, yeah, no, I guess they started the next one with the reveal that he was okay. So, yeah, no, never mind. <laughs> I was about to say that they, they ended that and spoiled it, but I, I ran the pages together and I realized, nope, this is the start of the next one. So it actually yep, was yep. a very good cliffhanger. It was, it was a pretty good cliffhanger. Now, I mean, it's a, you know, catch and release kind of thing, but <laughs> it's, um, yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm with Keith. I'm very intrigued to see where this goes and, uh, uh another good cliffhanger at the end of part three is, uh, oh, okay. Screw you, doctor. We're just going to blow up the earth. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's at about that point that you start to go, okay, what is the deal? <laughs> oh, man, that's... What's what's the gag? <laughs> um, and then a, a very bizarre fourth issue with uh, 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 Simeon guards and uh, <laughs> the, the reveal of the uh, the Dalek dome. <laughs> Where apparently Scaro has been turned into some sort of amusement park, and I <laughs> cannot wait to see where this goes from here. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, I completely agree with you guys. I, I think I'd, I'd echo almost everything you guys are saying. Um, a couple of things that I, I thought, I, I feel like the fourth part does go a little. I'll, I'll work backwards, but I do think the fourth part feels like it goes off the rails. But I think it does that for a reason, and we just don't know what that reason is yet. So I'm hopeful, yeah. and I and I'm with you guys. I'm intrigued to see where this goes, but it really kind of feels like it's getting a little silly, and it feels predictable at this point. But I don't know that I've figured it out. Does that make sense? Um, I I think the visualizations of it are, are beautiful. They everything is as beautifully drawn the daleks look great the doctor looks great and and i'm with you when he's when it's kind of far away you kind of think 10 but then when they get close in and you realize that no they're really giving him that that older look and that that 14th doctor character i think that really works one of my complaints and this is my problem because this may be the way that he's going to play it and we just don't know because we haven't had a lot of tv but he still feels like they're writing for the 10th doctor and I, I just sort of in the back of my mind think every doctor, even if you're going to use the same face, should have maybe a different personality. And I maybe maybe I projected that onto his performance, thinking that he would play it a little different because he is a different incarnation. But he may not, because if he's revisiting a face, he may revisit a personality as well. But I really felt they were there was a lot of it's written very much like the 10th doctor. And I, and again, I think they're going with what they know. In fact, there's, there's the one thing where he, the one scene where he's uh, found the family, that's, that's the aliens that are disguised as the family. And he holds this, the uh, sonic screwdriver up and to, to get a reading it's almost, it's just a shot that I've seen just the pose straight from one of the 10th doctor stories. <laughs> just with a different sonic. Right. Exactly. And so, uh, and I don't think this is, I don't, I'm not want to make it sound like I, I'm bothered, too bothered by that because I, it, it, it's just something that maybe I'm projecting onto it. And he may just play it that way because like I said, if you're going to revisit a face, you may revisit a personality as well. And I, I'm fine with that. It just felt kind of strange when I was first started reading it. Um, the well, other... that's, kind of the, that's kind of the thing with this story is we don't know what how he's going to play it because it hasn't come out yet. Mm -hmm. And so... I... 
we it's it's a mystery Mm -hmm. but at the same time you couldn't do this story unless it was a familiar face because we wouldn't know they wouldn't know how to write that doctor either so it's it's a kind of a catch-22 of they couldn't do a poster generation story in comics when we haven't had any of the actual televised doctor with Jodie Whittaker or even Peter Capaldi because we wouldn't know anything about them or how they would perform, but we kind of have a decent idea how David Tennant might play the role. And that's probably why, for the very first time in Doctor Who comics history, we're actually getting um, story before the uh, this Doctor's proper first appearance too. So this has never mm-hmm. happened before. They've never they've never introduced a Doctor and then gone on in the pages with the story to, to then later pick up in the series. And so this is kind of unique. So you're right. That does afford them an opportunity to be able to do that. Yeah, I think it's also a, a very clever nod to the art as Keith was mentioning earlier, that this for sure looks like an older David Tennant. So we get these very familiar poses. We get a lot of, oh, there's that classic 10th Doctor stance. There's that classic, here, I've got the screwdriver. Here, I've got the, you know, his eyebrows raised a little bit. And yet it's not. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it just, for me, it just kind of served as a constant reminder of, nope, this is 14. Mm-hmm. Nope, this is 14. You're, you don't, you're not, you're having too good a time now. You can't slip back into 10 mode. This is 14. <laughs> That's what they do right, too. By by doing the lines in his face, especially, and, and doing a lot of, close-ups so that they can get that older projection projection in there i think that that they're doing a service for it because it does remind you this isn't 10 this is 14 regardless of how he's acting and the face that he has he is a different version and so i I do appreciate that they're doing that i'm sure without seeing the artwork people are listening to us going we're making david Tennant sound old and decrepit but he you know he's certainly like the crypt keeper he's so wrinkly (laughs) in the art they probably give him more lines than he actually has yeah it could be (laughs) uh my other thing and this is not a complaint because and i'll explain why the alien family (laughs) when they're revealed they're just really sort of plain jane they're just sort of generic but while they're, they're very heads. while they're very generic, they are also it's very very Doctor Who feeling, <laughs> especially classic Who feeling. It just it, it has that kind of vibe, and so I'm actually okay with it. Even though they don't feel very creative, they it completely works for a Doctor Who story, especially something that starts to get a little silly with them taking selfies you know, with all the chaos in the background. So I think it works really, really well for the characters, but I agree with you guys. I'm I'm really intrigued to see where this goes because it, it, it looks like it may be going a certain direction, but then again, we're only halfway there. So it's probably going to shift gears again on us before we, we, you know, get to the end. I'm quite curious. You, You mentioned the Daleks and how great they look and wow, do they look great. Um, I'm quite curious to know if this is like a, a a digital cut and paste of the, okay, we designed a Dalek and then we're just going to copy them all over the place or if they're actually hand-drawn by the, I mean, I don't want to take anything away one way or the other. That's still an impressive accomplishment either way, but because even the doctor comments that, Mm -hmm. well, they all look the same. Yeah. And he says, I don't mean that like this. I mean that like you literally all look like the same Dalek. Yeah, like no. that's going to play into the mystery later. 
But I there think, could have been I some think, computer yeah, tweakery. I, I wouldn't pass, put it past a, an a, uh, artist to do that. But then again, I can, a really good artist could just draw the exact same thing over and over. So it's true. The Supreme looks really great. Yeah, the Supreme looks yeah. wonderful. Well, very good. Well, I'm just looking so, forward to winner. looking forward to continuing this series. So, and it gives yeah, us absolutely. a little bit of the new uh, new doctor as well. You are invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Cheshki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire universe on shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. All right, Sean. Well, what our, do we got coming up on the schedule? Our march toward the 60th continues. Uh, coming up next, we uh, delve into another part of the 60th anniversary with Big Finish's uh, uh, Ode to All Things Doctor Who, Once and Future, Past Lives, which will be a, uh audio event. And we'll be doing that piecemeal segments as they come out. So you can look forward to that uh, next time. Followed by us getting back into uh, Time War with uh, Gallifrey, Time War 4, uh, which is uh, part of Act 3 of the overall Time War scheme. And then uh, some more of Season 6B as we get to an actual novel uh, world game which is a past Doctor adventure from BBC Books. And uh, more good stuff to come. And and I should say, we'll remind you when we get a little closer as well, but I should say in that week before we uh, do World Game, we probably will take a break in there. So just a heads up, if we go away for an extra week, don't worry, we're coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Books take a lot of reading. Yeah, that's right. We want to make sure we have the right time to to process all of it. All right. Well, of course, if you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by going to our website, travelingtovortex.com. Click it on that patron link and consider supporting us. Um, when you become a patron of this podcast, you can lock more audios and specials from us. And of course, just even $1 a month that helps us keep lights on here at Traveling the Vortex. We, of course, want, if you can do more, we would love to have more. But, you know, it, even at the very least, just a dollar a month helps. Uh, also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to the podcast. It helps bump us up in ratings and recommendations, gets the word out there, gets more listeners, um, gets more content from us. Anything else we need to touch on before we close this program? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.